Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sundays You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Well, we've just been watching, Nick and I, the Friends reunion on Sky. We have. We start 8 o'clock a.m. as soon as it was able to be on demand. Because I was very excited to watch it. Yes, Um, It was a bit like looking in a mirror, really, looking at Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox's faces. I'm I'm starting to look like Sylvester Stallone's mother. (laughs) And isn't it interesting? The men have aged. They've really aged. Although David Schwimmer still looks the same. Yeah, he must dye his hair. He must dye his hair. But the women, apart from Phoebe, Lisa Kudrow, Courtney and Jennifer, you can see they've been tampered with. But it's interesting, isn't it? Women feel, even though you probably don't get more successful than Jennifer Anderson and Courtney Cox, they could have never, ever made anything else after that and lived happily ever after. Seems the more successful you are, the more self-doubting you are, and the more you're trying to improve yourself, you're never, ever good enough. But the, the more successful you are, the more beautiful you are, the more you've got to live up to. I mean, the more it, it, it's going to show that you have aged or that you have changed your shape or that you're not doing the same sort of work. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a damn sight more obvious. I, I also wonder, with very successful people, what keeps them going? And you can tell the reason they succeeded is because they, as Jennifer says in the programme, she went on pilot a year, she did a pilot a year, did another pilot, wasn't taken up, wasn't taken up, wasn't taken up. Tenacity. But they kept going. Yeah, yeah. So I think it is the more tenacious among us who keep going and don't fall by the wayside. I mean, for my generation of writers, apart from Julie Birchall, we're the only two left, really. The the rest have gone off to run B&Bs in the Lake District or they've become... They run a food company. They've all sort of fallen by the wayside, but it's only me and Jack Julie Birchall left, really. The last stand. (laughs) I thought it was quite interesting because they were saying that um, and Matt LeBlanc said it and uh, Jennifer Aniston said it, that they hated watching themselves on the programme. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how successful you are, how beautiful you are, because, I mean, you don't get better looking than Matt LeBlanc in, in Friends. I mean, he was serious crumpy, wasn't he? A bit fat, though, I thought. Well, in Friends, yeah. I'd have worked it off him. Too sweet. You know, I mean, just really, really lovely looking people. Talented, funny, successful, amazing programme. What was it? So many years consecutive top programme in the, you know, six, six, six years. Six years. Number one programme. Unbelievable. And they still didn't like hearing their own voices. They didn't like seeing themselves. They didn't think they were very good actors. 
So, I mean, what more do you need to feel good about you see, yourself? see, that's why I think all these public school educated people and those who are the daughter of, I won't name them, and on, their father was this and, you know, all the connected people, they never try very hard because they, they didn't have to. And I think, really, if you're going to make anything good, you have to struggle. So how and did... all these actors struggle. Yeah. Like it's, they said in the programme that Matt LeBlanc turned up with $11 to his name before France. He had $11. I've got £3, so he had more than me. But that is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like one of my therapists said to me, because she said, oh, you've been through hardship. I'm not going to do a Harry here. But she said, think Start of yourself. Rolling your eyes. She said, think of yourself as a cactus who's grown in the desert you've had to work really hard to survive but it's made you strong if you don't have challenges and rejection you're like a plant raised in a greenhouse that isn't strong that isn't going to survive on its own do you see what i mean that's very profound that's sally the th- therapist do you remember she, oh, she, we liked she sally. told me that yeah we did we liked sally so how did friends affect you as a program well, I was addicted. I have been writing about friends, I have to say this, since the first episode. Is it another Sex in the City? It's another Sex in the City. I've written about Sex in the City since the very first episode, which was about modelizers, and I wrote about dating a model. And he came to visit me when I was on Company Magazine. And Pinewood Studios had just burnt down. And I said, oh, God, Pinewood Studios has just burnt down. And he said, oh, no, all those trees. <laughs> God, bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> so I've written about Friends since the very first episode. And they were my family. You know, I used to rush home even from promising dates to watch it. This is before I'd we could recall it, it. it. Oh, my God. And I did a cover with... For Marie Claire with Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow. And it was one of our best-selling covers ever. We had them all on the cover at Christmas. They sort of sold the ideal, didn't they? Because when I watched Friends, I wanted that life. I wanted to have that much fun. I wanted to have that that group of people that I belonged to. It gave me sort of almost like this unrealistic expectation of what life could be like. You know, I wanted to be that sort of popular pretty fun I wanted my those best friends and my life wasn't like that at all and it sort of made me quite disappointed and I sort of wondered they, they looked when they were talking in this program and they were sort of reminiscing they looked like they had so much fun recording it and I wondered do they just wish they could have stayed in that bubble where they had this great program this great career this great friendship between them all just how wonderful to just be in that And bubble. how bereft when that's finished. Yeah. Cause, and I remember I yeah. was at the Evening Standard and I wrote a review of the very last episode and I said that it was like splitting up with a lover you've had for 10 years and suddenly it's over and, and you're grieving. Yeah. And then I, I didn't watch Friends for years and years and years after it finished, although it was then on Channel 5 and then it was on Netflix. But then in 2015... You know, my mum had died and I'd been sacked and I'd been made bankrupt and I lost my house and my horse had died and Hilda had died and Sam had died and my cats had died. I started watching Friends again. I was almost dead. I couldn't cope 
with what was happening. You can always guarantee that you're going to laugh at Frank. I mean, it's literally a joke a minute, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it had a formula. It had yeah. a joke every 30 seconds. And every plot line segued into the next plot line. So, for example, at the end of the episode where Chandler and Monica get married, it went straight into Rachel being pregnant. Yeah. So it was very, very meticulously written and very much written to a formula. So which one of the boys did you like then? I liked Chandler the most. You didn't. But Joe is so beautiful. Yeah, but he's so stupid and he keeps eating. You'd always be in Sainsbury's. Well, he wouldn't eat so much for me, would he? Because I'd eat it all. But you're on a diet or you've been spending hundreds of pounds well, to lose weight. Therefore, me and Joe are soulmates. Soulmates. I think this is, it's a bit death. like neuro-linguistic programming. I'm going to go a bit Harry here. You oh, have to stop putting out into the universe that you eat all the time and you're really fat. No, I'm putting out into the universe. If I'd have had Joey when he was young and good-looking, we could have eat pizza and then worked it off. That'd have been fine. I wouldn't have been fat. And nor would he, trust me. But he was so stupid. I don't want him to talk to. Talking's not the objective, is it? He shares food... And he's crumpy. My favourite girl was Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, no, she was my favourite. I think Monica's very beautiful, but she had really short limbs. Her limbs weren't long enough. And she was a little bit OCD. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'd have thumped her. not as OCD as me, though. I know, but I've got used to you. I would have thumped her. I've got a little vacuum cleaner that I use to clean my bigger vacuum cleaner. (laughs) God. And I wish there was a smaller vacuum cleaner to clean the little vacuum cleaner. I did think that Phoebe had aged beautifully, though. Yeah. She's clearly not tampered with herself, and she just looks amazing. She looks older, but she looks amazing. You know, and it's like the guys, don't they? They look older because they are older. And then there's the other two that just look like... Apparently, I I read today in one of the reviews, the reason Chandler looks so odd... His mouth looked really odd, didn't it? It's because he he'd did. just had dental surgery and he was still anaesthetised. Okay, he should have mentioned that because, like, that sort of, like, droopy dog thing wasn't a good look. I mean, and I was sort of feeling... And he seemed very depressed and quiet, didn't he? Well, perhaps he was still sedated. Yeah. Poor Chandler. <laughs> Do you still fancy him? That's the question. But it made me just ever so nostalgic for 2004, which is when the last episode actually aired and i was in a relationship i owned my own house i was the featured editor of a daily newspaper i had a lovely car i went out to restaurants every night i miss that life and i just don't know where i went wrong because mm. i've never got up in the morning every day and said right today i'm gonna make a really bad decision no, it's it's just a sort of series of bad decisions, isn't it, that lead you to where but you I are. But I get up every day intending to do the right thing. Yeah, no, yeah, of course, of course you do. But it's the thing is, is you chose such a different life, didn't you? When you when you moved to the country, it's just the polar opposite of everything that made you happy. I think it was friends' fault, really, that I left London because. They all sort of left the apartment and they went to live in the suburbs and they got married and had babies and everything. So I sort of tried to do that as well. So I thought of adopting a child with my husband and maybe the urban life wasn't for me. Yeah. But I didn't get up every day thinking I'm going to make a bad decision. Well, no, no, of course not. 
I mean, that's what we do. We strive to improve, don't we? We strive to make things better. I think, better. actually, it's just, occur- it's just occurred to me. One of the reasons I left London and moved to the countryside wasn't just because I rescued a horse. It's because I'd split up with my husband. I chucked him out of the house and I had a column to write every week. And I thought, what am I going to write about? I've got no one to go out with. I've got no one to go for dinner with. I know it would be quite a good column, this urban fashionista goes to live in the middle of a national park that would make quite a good column so see i'm always driven by filling up pages yeah maybe you need to revisit that because i can't go back in time you can't go no you can't no but you can go forward in a really positive way and embrace where you are now but i mean just in general this dedication to your column is very admirable you know and it's obviously been you know your career but there's sort of got to be a little bit of self-preservation, maybe. Yeah, you see, every other columnist on every other newspaper and magazine does have self-preservation. Yeah, perhaps. They will keep try. from you that their husband's really gay or that their husband's got liver cancer and he's got to have a transplant. They keep the best bits from you, but I've never done that, you see. No, but do you think you've been happy? my column this Sunday, Da-da-da. which we're going to come to in a minute, but not quite yet, is about texting this Cambridge man and arranging our second date. And if I'm incredibly honest with everyone, if I didn't have a column, I wouldn't have even replied to his first tweet when he messaged me. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's good, that's cathartic. So, so how do you feel then about seeing him? Was it worth it? But I probably wouldn't have bothered. But you know, I'm 62... I'm incredibly busy. I've got dogs and horses. I'm finishing my second book. And to be honest, I'm kind of tired of dating. And it's like that very famous quote from Charlotte at the beginning of the first Sex and the City movie. You see, I am like an encyclopedia. You are, you are. She said, I've been dating since I was 16. Where is he? I'm exhausted. Do you remember that? I never watched it. Dear God. Don't look at me like... I, I, I've never, I'm going to watch Sex in the City because some of your readers have, have emailed me and said I've got to watch it. You say I've got yeah, to watch it. Yeah, but you don't it. need the bloody so, readers to tell you. I've told no, you. No, but I'm getting a lot of pressure from all sides. Anyway, so, so the, the first Sex in the City film, you've got Charlotte, a clip of Charlotte. I've been dating since I was 16. Where is he? I'm exhausted. Mm. That's kind of how yeah. I feel. Yeah, no, I can get that. I can get that. But you're happy on your own, aren't you? You don't need a man. Yeah, but it doesn't make a column, does it, Nicola Bev? Get with what I'm saying. No, I understand what you're saying, Elizabeth Jones. I get it. Don't put your head in your hands. But you have to have some self-preservation. You have to have some happiness. And you could do some stuff yourself and write about. You could yeah, go but skydiving. Yeah, it's not, not particularly or... interesting, is it, to have a column saying, oh, hello, everyone. You know, it'd be like what I did on my holidays today. Um, oh, uh, I went for a lovely walk and then I went out with my boyfriend and we really love each other and we're going to get married, but we can't invite anyone, but it's enough because we just love each other. That's not compulsive. That's not a soap but opera. But that's something that you're never going to come out with. You're, you, you're witty, you're funny, you're sarcastic, you're dry. No, but when, I wrote, doing, column, when I wrote a column when I was on Exmoor and I didn't have a boyfriend, people thought it was boring and Lynn Barber told me it was boring. Who's she? You don't know who Lynn Barber is? No. It's like I'm doing a podcast, not with, what's his name, Murakami or Harry. 
I'm doing a podcast with someone who hasn't heard of Limbaba. I don't work. Well, it shows how good but she you is. Know, she did an interview with me in the Sunday Times magazine. Oh, you read it. That one. Okay. Well, I didn't think much of her, so I didn't. This is like. I watched Newsnight with my ex and we went to bed and I said, I don't know what Emily Maitlis was doing there. And my boyfriend said, who's Emily Maitlis? I'm pretty sure and I'm just, you you've been watching Emily Maitlis on Newsnight. How can you now, two seconds later, not know who Emily Maitlis is? Are you a goldfish? Look, cut the superiority complex. Do you know what I mean? I know things that you don't. We all have different spheres that we delve into and have knowledge Yeah, in. but you're in my podcast. I am in your podcast. But it doesn't mean I need to know your dodgy writers. But she's the most famous writer in the United Kingdom. No, Jane Austen is the most famous writer in the United Kingdom. No, but Kingdom. she's dead. I think Lynn Barber's still hanging on by a thread. Are you sure? <laughs> The Wait. thing I didn't like about Friends, the reunion, was all these stupid celebrities turning up. Cindy Crawford looked amazing. Oh, my God. Well, she's been flipping, like, And frozen, she looks amazing, she? and I actually based myself on her daughter, Kaya. What, that and Megan? And Megan. I'm a cross between Kaya, Gerber and Megan. Is that like a schnocker, a cross between a schnauzer yeah. and a... <laughs> so I'm a, a Kegan something or other... <laughs> Right, okay. But Justin Bieber took part. What an absolute honesty. And Justin Bieber, I have to tell you now, is the worst celebrity I've ever interviewed. I went all the way to America and interviewed him backstage. And he was 13 and I was interviewing him and he looked at me and he said, why do you keep interrupting me? Well, he's very grown up for his age then. So I took away his mobile phone. (laughs) Yes, I would have. (laughs) He was awful. Take away his sweeties. He was awful. He said, why do you keep interrupting me? A preeminent journalist from London comes all the way to interview you. You're 13. And he said, why do you keep interrupting me? (laughs) Yeah, but someone had told him at 13 he was important and he believed it. But the column... It's all about preparing for my second date with Cambridge Man in New Magazine this Sunday. So this is a very long column then, is it, for the preparations? But I got him to tell me a little bit more about himself because we've only had lunch once. I don't even know his second name, so I can't Google him. I was going to say, how can you Google him if you haven't got the details? I said, send me some photos, I said, but not rude ones. (laughs) So he sent me a picture of his dog in front of the fireplace. Okay. That's a good point, yeah. On point. He's neatly mown lawn. He's got a pergola and he's got an outside table for outside dining. Lovely, right, good. It's all very neat and manicured, unlike a garden we could mention. But we won't. But we won't. He sent me pictures of his parents' house in France and their collie. Nice, collie. Yeah, you've got something in common then. I said there must be something wrong with him and he replied... I've no idea. I said, I, I said, there must be something wrong with him. I said, I've no idea otherwise why you haven't been snapped up. And he said, I don't know. I'm a hidden gem. Modesty. He doesn't mind me being older. And in fact, he hasn't mentioned it. Although he did say, did you interview Gen- John Lennon at any stage? And I said, no, I'm not that old. <laughs> Oops. 
Then I suggested on our next date, the second day, that I would pay for dinner. And he said, maybe I think the third or fourth date would be more appropriate. And I said, you mean me paying for dinner or us having sex? Oh, dear. He's invited me to his friend's 50th birthday party and to visit his parents as soon as lockdown allows. We can then go to Paris, he said. I've never been. How could he not have been to Paris? Have you been to Paris? Yes. Well, at least she's been to well, Paris, even if she's yes. never heard of Limbaba. Thank God I've got the right answer to that one. You see, it's so nice. The best part of having a boyfriend is not the sex. It's having someone to go on mini breaks with. Yeah, but you can go with your friends, can't you? And that's the better. That's much better. Yeah, but I don't have any friends. You do have friends. No, who do I have? Sue Needleman. Yeah, but she's married. She's got a child. She's fun. No, but that means she's always busy. I don't mean it's she's not fun. Yeah, but she'll break away. But the problem here is that if I go as his plus one to his friend's party, unless I go in disguise, his friends will then know who he's dating and the secret will be out. How will he react to being written about? We haven't broached this subject yet. At the moment, he seems quite sanguine. After he let, read my column about double parking, i.e. going on two dates with two different men in one weekend... He texted on Sunday morning, how is my double parking queen? He doesn't take himself too seriously. I tell him the last time I went to Paris, I stayed in the Carrie Bradshaw suite at the Plaza Athene and the then boyfriend kept ordering espressos that cost 30 euros a piece. So we didn't just order an espresso that cost 30 euros a piece. He then said they were cold. Dear God. Push him off the and balcony. he'd wake me at 3am by shining his iPad at surfaces. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is, I'm looking for my tobacco. And you're trying to sell mini breaks with boyfriends to me. It's well, not yeah, working. It's not working. To, no, but you have to choose the boyfriend. He then said, for our next date, I was going to suggest we have an afternoon or evening on the champagne, but I might get too familiar. I tell um, him that is what we might be doing on date number two for his audition. You see, it's like an audition, date number two. Yeah. I had sex with my future husband on our first date. I had sex with my ex on our third date. I really want to get this sex business over with, like measles. <laughs> That's so romantic. <laughs> my beating heart. But it is like a hurdle, isn't it? You know, it's like cross-country running at school, these bloody hurdles. Not meant to be like that. It's meant to be a little bit more pleasurable, you know, like a little bit of flirting... Will he, won't he, will I, won't I? You know, not, not a sort of just throw yourself off the cliff and have It helps land. if you're drunk, though, doesn't it? See, I'm not allowed to drink anymore. No, but that, that might give you a new perspective. It might give you some, like, you know, not to do certain things. The very thought is making me queasy, actually. Starting all, all over again with another man, breaking them in, telling them not to kneel on your hair... It really hurts when they kneel on my hair. It's Look, be horrible. grateful you ain't got big boobs. That's really bad. But this is meant to be the nice I've bit, never, the honeymoon ever period. Taken my vest off in front of a man ever. What, never. even with all the champagne? No, never. Oh, just throw it off and go for it. No. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. April 2000. You that sounds well. like a dandruff shampoo, doesn't it, April 2000? 
a deodorant. So, I used to have such a glamorous life. You you listen to this. On Saturday night, I took the 26-year-old to a party given by Giorgio Armani for Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. Ricky I Martin. Lo- living la vida loca. Devastated when I found In, out, and around, and about. Living la vida loca. And this is why you're a writer, not a singer. <laughs> Oh, I, I introduced really Ricky, my new friend, to lots of my friends and colleagues and to my best friend. Oh, no, I didn't introduce Ricky. I introduced my future husband to lots of my friends and colleagues and to my best friend. At 11.30pm, I told him I wanted to leave. I'm afraid we then had our first argument. I kept trying to give you a hug and kiss you hello and you kept pushing me away, he moaned. And as soon as I got there, you wanted to leave. This is true. Whenever I get somewhere, I want to leave. That is true. Isn't it? It is true. You've got a very, very small boredom threshold. Yeah. Very, very short. Well, I said, I hate couples. I hate people who canoodle in public. I introduce you to everyone. Yeah, he said. I think you like showing off your little Asian boy. Ooh. Well, I said, I'm not used to going to a party with a man. It was made quite a change for me to have a plus one. I was always yeah. on my own. When I worked at Marie Claire, even though I was the editor-in-chief, I was the only one who wasn't in a couple. That is always horrible, isn't it? You really feel like the odd one out. I was the odd one out. Yeah, it is And it they is all awkward. hated me anyway. The next morning, I woke up to a message on my answer phone from Osama bin Laden. He was the one I was really in love with. It was a really flirty message confirming we'd be seeing each other that evening. The 26-year-old overheard it and went off for a bath. (laughs) Now, I've told him how fussy I am, and even the builders who are gutting my kitchen and building a wet room have to remove their boots when they come in the house. Poor sods. So when I heard him in the bath making lots of noise, I went in and told him to stop splashing. So I don't like splashing. No, I know. And you don't like the towel hung the wrong way or the soap. We anywhere. went out for lunch and he refused to talk to me. I told him I'd drop him off at the tube station because I had to go home and get ready for a date. This may sound harsh, but he is the one who slept with someone else, remember? And I was about to see a man I've been mooning over for the best part of a year. But had he slept with someone else at this stage? No, I don't think so, but he had in the past. Oh, just as we were going out, he went to Italy and he snogged a man. He's pretty indiscriminate, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he's going to cheat, he's, he's, he's just going to throw it out there. So he said, don't see his armour, he said. Blow him out. Who has been nicer to you? I want to be your boyfriend. Now, the other mistake he made, even though I ended up marrying him, was on one of our first dates, he brought flowers to the restaurant. Never, ever take flowers to a restaurant. What do you do with them? The pollen gets on my outfit. They're not going to be in water. What do you, you ask for a vase? Never, ever take... I don't know why I married them. Well, there must have been some attraction to something. Because I had a column. It's all back to the column. I drove home. I got ready in record time for the second day. It usually takes two weeks. I went to pick up the man I'm in love with. And when he emerged from his flat in old school orange Adidas tracksuit pants, his hair bouncing, I fell in love all over again. So, Miss Jones, he said, kissing me on the cheek as we drove off for our organic dinner. Dinners were always organic. Was it at the organic pub? It was at the organic pub. That's why it was organic. Since I left London, they've probably gone out of business. (laughs) Probably. What have you been up to this weekend, he said. Go on, get out of that one. 
I didn't tell him I'd had sex with my future husband. Wise. So those were the days, you know. I had a house. I was going out with two men at once. I had a lovely car. People laugh when they see my car. No, well, they don't laugh at your car. They, they laugh do. at what Gracie's done to your car. And how dirty it is, because I hate it. I never have it cleaned. No. I think I think the new low is sandwiches in the floor. <laughs> there are sandwiches in my car, because I went to the spa yesterday, ahead of my date, which I've got tomorrow, and I made them make me a sandwich, and it was so revolting that I gave it to Minnie, but even Minnie wouldn't eat it. So it's now on the floor No, it's on the, the floor car. of my car. <laughs> yes, so I'm such an immaculate person. It's like that person with the portrait of themselves in the attic. If people look at my car, <clears throat> they would wonder what on earth was happening. Well, first and foremost, it's Gracie. That's what firstly has happened. But it's so dirty. It is, and it actually it smells. No, it does smell. It smells a stress way. My not, stress not, way. Not your stress way. Mrs. Stress way. <laughs> I do get stress with you, actually. Do you? Yeah. Thank you for telling me that now, after I borrowed your car yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast, and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So how are our readers this week, Nick? Our readers are magnificent. They're really good. We've got some great letters. We have um, a lady that's written, Remaining Nameless. Oh, she's Remaining Nameless. Remaining Nameless. Nameless. She's a non. She says she's been an avid reader of your column since it started and is now a listener of the podcast. She says, I just wanted to thank you both. Your podcast has accompanied me through a really difficult divorce on many solitary sad dog walks. One of the funniest things was when you forgot you had been married. I did, I forgot I'd been married. <laughs> when you listed all the things you hadn't done, you hadn't <laughs> been married. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> it made me laugh alone in the fields, despite all my problems. I hope one day I might forget that too. It will come to you also. You are strong women and make me feel stronger just listening to your banter, particularly when you put men down and seem so happy with your semi-single lives. You happy with your semi-single life? Well, I'm very happy on my own, really. But you're not single. You you're going out with a big lump. A big lump. Um, I feel as though I've got to know you since the podcast in a way that I didn't in the column, as you are so much funnier. Particularly when you are so rude about everyone. I'm sure you will find something rude about this email. Please carry on keeping us laughing and sometimes crying. And I hope you win loads of awards. You both, yes, <gasps> Nick does too. 
Yeah, we've heard you. this is big news isn't it we've heard yes that the award ceremony so i'm up for columnist of the year and podcast of the year nick's up for sidekick of the year it's in july july the 14th yes and we don't get a real do it's on it's zoom. bloody zoom so we only need a nice top because we can just wear joggers on the bottom and trainers but let's hope in the middle of all the ceremony that minnie doesn't want to poo you're going to have to put her in the garden. You are. You're going to have to put her in the garden. So she said, yes, Nick does too. I'm just repeating that in case you didn't hear that. Um, deserve all the success that is destined to your way. If I could change anything, I would like it to be more often. We get that a lot, don't we? They'd like more podcasts. No, it's not going to be more often. <laughs> I like it. I'm quite happily doing extra. Right. Thanks again for a, lo- a valuable lifeline. PPS, when you chat about books and other recommendations, it would be great if there was somewhere to find them all. Maybe there is somewhere, but I haven't managed to find it. But we I'd always like to... put a link on Twitter. But what about if people aren't on Twitter? That's it. Why don't you put a link on the website? Well, I have started doing that. I have started on, on the website where the podcasts are listening. You can listen to the podcasts on Lizzie's website. And I do now put the books and films and stuff that we review in case anyone's missed it. Has anyone read my extract of my book on the website yet? I don't know. I don't know. I think so, because we've had people um, emailing saying that they want the signed copy, the signed embellished copy. So I think so. We've got people that want one. You look blank. (laughs) So check out Twitter or the website and we'll make sure that it's on there. We've got a question from Alison from Chroma. And she says, <laughs> she says, hi, Liz, you're doing pretty well finding men. Well, you are, aren't you? You've got I've had a little stream of them lately. Yeah, but you should see some of them. Yeah, I know, but you're still, you're still getting them. She says, I would really like to meet someone but find it difficult. And it doesn't help that most men my age are married or look estate. Can you give me some tips? Well, I think, really, it's... Finding men online is the way forward because you can kind of find out quite a lot about them online and you can get them to send pictures of their gazebos and their lawn and their parents' collie and you can find out quite a lot about them. So I haven't actually met any men in the real world. I've met them all virtually. It's really the thing now, isn't it? I mean, there's so many apps, there's so many dating sites. Lots of men have been tweeting me and messaging me on Twitter. Yeah, Lots well, I, of think, I think that's a secret dating site. But I want to meet someone like in person. I want that little friction across the room where you're glancing at each other and eyeing each other up. How want, did you I meet Martin that. then? On a quad bike. But he farm. was going out with a woman from Cheap Liquor, wasn't he? He was. Then? He was. <laughs> Cheap Liquor. He was dating someone and really someone that was lovely and they were really well suited. She wasn't lovely, no. Oh, she was. She wasn't. She was awful. She was lovely. She was a lovely girl. But no, I quite like the meeting someone in person, but it is more difficult now. Well, especially with lockdown. Well, yeah, starting lockdown. And this is, this is, I have to say, this is my favourite one that we've ever had, ever had. Who's it from? It's from Kelsey. Do you remember Kelsey wrote in a couple of weeks ago about her Yeah, but her you mom. got her sex wrong. I got her sex wrong. Kelsey is a lady, so I'm really, really sorry, Kelsey. Oh, this is Kelsey again, then. This is Kelsey again, This because I've been chatting to her. But I had to, I had to use this because this was absolutely brilliant. She says... The school I teach in is for young people in care that have a diagnosis of autism. I told them about your skydive. They have a very literal view, but their wisdom always makes me smile. So this is what the kids said to give me some about advice. About you jumping out of a plane. About me jumping out of a plane. They said, well, first tell her 
don't die and land softly. That's I'll try that. That's not going to happen, is I'll, it? <laughs> what, the dying or the landing softly? Landing softly. Well, I suppose either way, I'm not going to land softly. They said, don't look down. That's proper scary looking down. But if you don't look down, you won't be scared. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my face in the air. They said, face your fears. You won't be scared after. That's very profound for teenagers. If Especially you, with autism. Amazing. Well, just teenagers. If you live, you will have faced them. And if you die, you're not scared anymore anyway. Well, it's true, isn't it? And they want a copy of the video. So I'm going to send them a copy of the video and some donuts to eat them with. So, but but she's if I die, she's going to cut that bit. And if I swear, she's going to sing La 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 over it. Are they fantastic? Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.